Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome to episode 40 of season two of the Filthy Shambles podcast. I'm joined by uh, Rich, uh, uh, a.k.a. The Dali Farmer on Twitter. Um, in, in fact, your, your Twitter handle, just for anyone who's not following you, uh, it's at Groove underscore Digger. So get following if you don't know who I'm talking to. Very articulate gentleman. The complete opposite of me, I would say. Uh, you just get to the point really quickly. I, I take about 15 minutes to, to, to say something that only should take 15 seconds. But welcome, mate. Um, <laughs> How you doing? I'm all right. We were just saying before we started to record that we have to. I have to do this nine more times this season. Probably probably double the amount for, for the Patreon content as well. And it's, it's getting to the point now where all of us, whether you're on a podcast, listening to one, talking to your mates on Twitter, wherever you, wherever you do your Tottenham chat, we're repeating the same things. It feels like we are truly in purgatory between now and the summer, unless Tottenham surprise us and, and get a, a deal done with some ilk of urgency between now and, and, and the end of the season. Um, what's your general? Are you numb to everything at this point, or, or are you angry? Are you kind of pitchforking it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I tend to be a bit more. A bit more patient, I suppose. I, I'm not. Um, Can you be a Spurs sure, fan? I mean, that's all we've been well, for twenty think, years, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's you know it's number one survival trait, isn't it? Because if you if you're not, you'd have you'd have committed murder by now. But I, I, like that that's being said, I'm not happy. You know, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm certainly is. not. Yeah. yeah, I'm certainly not numb to it. And I think, I think, uh, I don't know. I'm baffled. That's the word. I'm baffled. I mean, did like, you, how the did, fuck are we here all over again? Yeah, I mean that that kind of rinse and repeat cycle is. I don't know if it's just the consequence of of trying to aim really high, but always choosing the wrong option in doing so, and that because of the the consequence of trying to appoint win now managers who who inherent inherent uh, inherit. Uh, rather a, a, a mess from the previous win now manager and try and fix it with supposedly instant you know success is is is, is what we expect and what they expect and then before you know it we're, we're back having the same conversation again just don't appoint that type of manager don't make that type of decision I mean surely it's that simplistic right I mean the evidence is there time time after time um, do not appoint a manager that doesn't fit the philosophy of, of, of the, the football club. And in this instance, the football club is the, is what the fan base defines it as. But uh, but I guess that's the problem, right? Because the, the club don't have that tethered understanding anymore with what we expect from 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 Spurs. Well, I mean, it's an interesting thing. Like, do you know? I mean, can you even talk about us as a fan base having some sort of Unified understanding of whatever the club is, whatever the team is, whatever the expectation uh, is on the day anymore. Sorry, Rich, you're you, you sound yeah. like a Dalek, mate. I, I, I know that the uh, things are getting 
uh, science fiction with Spurs at the minute, but you've got all <laughs> distorted momentarily. Uh, did I? Right, hang on. Um, right. Uh... Okay, we, we're, we're back after a minor technical issue, but, you know, <laughs> being a Spurs fan, we've got well, major technical issues all of the time following yeah. our football club. So uh, I think we were, track, we were just about, you were just about to say something about, or you were saying something about, the club not, or I was saying something about the club not being tethered with the fan base, and the irony is that the club, in essence, is really the fan base. The fan base are, are, are the ones who collectively uh, kind of fuel what the club should be doing and what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable within the the boundaries of uh, you know of the football club and the capacity. And I guess the problem with Spurs is that we need to be a lot more ambitious. Not that we're not ambitious. But when you consider who we're up against, you really need to be a bit more ruthless. And and often, I don't. I mean, I mean, we all agree on this that, that the club don't get the urgency around certain decision making and, and making, you know, making the right options, making the right decisions in the right moment. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, urgency being uh, being the operative word. You, when you asked me how I was, I right at the at the start i said that i was baffled hmm. and a p- part of the reason that i'm that i'm baffled is um because there didn't even seem to be any urgency in taking a decision whether or not they were going to persevere with conte until the end of the year or whether he was taking the decision that he was going to persevere whether or not the club were going to sack him for what could be construed as gross misconduct you know coming out and saying what he said after the Southampton game yeah um I mean it took him it took him a week you know we it, it was tumbleweed for a week that the and and you know I think I'd sort of settled on the idea well nothing's going to happen then something suddenly something did happen and that was something of a nothing. So in happening, nothing's actually happened. Even though he's gone, nothing seems to have bloody changed. I mean, urgency seems to be the one word they don't have any understanding or, or you know, of the definition of, doesn't it? it, it it's baffling. Yeah, it, 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 there's been a lot of discussions around how, you know, someone like Daniel Levy, you know, love him or hate him. And I know a lot of people are probably on the hate side and, and there's a fair, there's a fair amount of people that can, you know, see the nuance and, and, and appreciate what he's done as a businessman in terms of, of what he's built. You know, we took Tottenham and now we're like a four billion pound entity. You're never seeing that, you know, it doesn't, who keep, who cares about that fundamentally, right? We just, we just want to see good football and, and perhaps get into a cup, into a cup final and win a cup final. Have those blue and white ribbons back on a on a on a tin pot. But you know you can you can detach yourself and say like he's he's brilliant at what he does uh, as 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 a businessman. But he cannot appear to separate the two things: uh, the business side, the revenue, all all the stuff that comes with building a uh, like a, a, a billion pound stadium. And the football side, which which should be looked upon separately, and I was I was talking to my uncle about this. My uncle's written, I haven't read this yet, uh, but I will, and I will edit and publish it probably on the Fighting Cock uh, podcast or oh, um, uh, blog rather. Uh, he's written like a restructuring what what it would mean to restructure Tottenham, you know, just in order to emphasise and amplify identity and how to work as a business, and it probably needs an input of someone 
other than him to look at to understand if you can separate the business element to the, to, from the football element. Um, and I kind of said to him in my really kind of dumbed down, you know, uh, kind of outlook on it, you can't. H- how can you? Because the money comes from the same place. And if Levy's fundamentally in charge of the the, the money and, and where it goes, um, then then potentially we're we're, we're kind of still reaching a, a, a throttle. Or there's the, the 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 argument that we do spend money. We just again we don't spend it on the right people. So if Levy can Levy separate himself, can he appoint a general manager to look after the football, and he can look after everything else. And then the general manager looks after, or is a general manager fundamentally what Fabio Paratici is meant to be, or was a, a director of football? Because it still well, I mean, feels like the director of football is a buffer between him and the chairman. It's just this kind of illusion of, um, you know, practicality. But it's, it, in, in essence, it's not because the decisions still fall on, on Levy from what we understand. Yeah, I mean, this this whole director of football business, you know, was supposed to have been that, whether it was just us inferring a recognition from Levy or, or the board that they needed a cutout, or whether in practice it was, you know, a, a far more functional reason that they employed Paratici, it was supposed to solve that issue that, um, you know, this whole thing about, taking ages weeks and weeks and weeks to get deals over the line not uh, not getting the right players in to fill the need in the squad um mm. and yet you know we've we've seen the same things repeated we had a good early summer window um and then you know come january it seemed as if you know functionally it looked very much like levy was in control of it all again wasn't it because you know pedro porro dragged on for weeks and weeks and we had the last minute hijacking of Dan Juma, who appears now to not exist, even though he's a club signing. <laughs> you know, um, I wonder whether or not you know this this idea of having this 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 extra step in the chain, this this cutout or this different shaped link, is actually even a workable solution because nothing seems to have changed. We'll we'll come back to the the politics later, all the the kind of boring stuff that we never stop talking about because Spurs won't entertain us with the football. Um, Did you, uh, I I mean, hopefully, well, I'll say hopefully, hopefully you didn't see the game and you can just blag your way through this podcast, to be fair, because watching that game was not an enjoyable experience. I was actually at a Temple Brew house in in London, uh, basically... um, there's a podcast called Jaffin, which is the James and Flav for now podcast. Uh, it's on YouTube on James Alcott's channel. Uh, it's a brilliant, irreverent uh, pod. They talk a little bit about football, which is the in-joke. Um, so they did a live show, um, which was fucking hilarious. It was great, and it was ruined by them screening the football. There was about 200, 250 people there. Um, but it felt like it, it felt like the Spurs that were there, which was most of the fighting cock, were at a, an, an away pub watching the game. Um, and the celebrations were never equalised. Were not pleasant, you know, just in mm-hmm. terms of having to suffer the indignity of of, of uh, people laughing at us. Um, so I kind of watched the game at an angle on a big screen. And and this is this is how drunk I was. I, I actually thought Kulusevski was the guy that got slapped in the face uh, for the Everton red card. I didn't I didn't realise it was Harry Kane until I got home. 
Um, <laughs> proper punditry uh, on this pod. Um, what did you make of it? Uh, just the game in general, the performance. Like, well, what what are your expectations from Spurs between now and the end of the season, considering everything that's happened to this point? Um, yeah, well, I saw it. I didn't have the um, I didn't have the luxury of being drunk or even only see it and seeing it on an angle. I was stone cold sober, and I had a full frontal of it. And um, and it and it was it was fucking horrifying. I thought, um, you know, the first five minutes seemed all right. I, I went into it mildly optimistic. I mean, during Conte's sort of uh, recuperation and his operation phase, you know, Stellini appeared to do a reasonable job. Um, so I thought, well, maybe you know, we'll take the handbrake off a bit, and something will something will come of this but of course after about 20 minutes you realize that that was um you know vanishing like morning mist mm. um <laughs> uh, and it was it was all situation normal uh, all fucking spurs again weren't it um it, it, and it was we were lucky to get out of there with a point in the end weren't we yeah yeah it was untidy it was um it was just it was just limp it was it was a reflection of how we feel Watching them, uh, so it's it's it. All of it makes sense, really. I mean, I've, you know, I think. I mean, I want to ask you actually where you sit with the whole. Um, you know, it's the players' fault. It's not the manager's fault. Um, because, like, in, the thing that I keep saying, and I, I, perhaps I don't get it across clear enough um, on Twitter, because sometimes I, I am on a wind up because I know people will get what. Uh, kind of wind it up a lot of people won't actually have a discussion with me when i post something they just abuse uh and and just say oh you're one of them lot leave your apologists and i'm like literally read everything that i've written and understand where i'm coming from you can say one thing and still feel the complete opposite you know i want new owners um to come in Mm. but that doesn't mean like i i I can't say positive things about Levy. I can be very critical of Levy, but supposedly I'm a Levy apologist. And the thing that I, I talk about often is if you're paying someone 15 million quid who's an elite manager and an, an elite coach and he hasn't got the players to play elite football, don't try to play elite football. Don't try to play elite automations. Try and work with what you've got and work towards what you need. It's it's it's. I, I'm not on 15 million quid a year and I, I, I know this. So the the players, if they've been playing, if they've been conditioned to hold back, to to be um, uh, to be a, a team that plays containment football, to not be aggressive, you know, to not to not be attacking, if they've been conditioned under Conte, under Mourinho, to play like that, like for them to switch on and and start playing Brazil nineteen seventy, it's just for me, it's just that's fantasy. Um, I, I, and especially if these players are mentally fatigued as 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 much as we are watching them uh, play. And that's not to say that we haven't got players that we need to get rid of, right? But so are you are you one of these people? Because all my mates are basically saying the players are pricks. You know, they've moved on. Conte's gone. They can't abuse him anymore. So it's all on the players. I mean, how, how do you feel about them? Well, I mean, I don't think the two sides of the argument are mutually exclusive is the honest answer. I, I okay. think a lot of it... Um, Conte has got a lot to answer for like you say Mourinho before him um, and probably for whatever length of time he was actually functionally there uh, Nuno as well 
um, have sort of instilled this this sort of contain and break football on them. Um, and like you say, it's it's unrealistic to expect them to just switch it off and, and go back to 2016 mode Spurs. I mean, half of them weren't even there then, you know. So um, I, I do think there is a side of it. My, my endearing feeling about the way that Conte and indeed Mourinho before him set the team up to play, and I think you touched on it a little bit there, uh, there's quite a famous... Um, quote, and it is um, um, Leonardo Fibonacci, you know, the guy famous for the, the discovering the golden ratio, mm. uh, said, uh, you know, there are two sorts of people in the world and it and it's, uh, this is not, not the apocryphal two sorts of people in the world quote, but it, he said, you know, there are people that are um, that are willing to adapt to their surroundings and people that that um, wish the surroundings to adapt to their will and that progress is always held up by the latter. And I think you have to look at how Mourinho and Conte manage the club in that light, you know, and this is the sort of my way or the highway way of approaching, you know, elite sports management as the way, you know, we've all worked in jobs with managers like that, you know, um, and actually it is detrimental because if if, if the players can't, for whatever reason, whether they're not athletic enough, whether they're not intelligent enough, whether they don't believe in the system, whatever it is, if they're not doing it and the evidence is there once, twice a week, then, you know, if you don't adapt a little bit in order to be able to create some sort of a holding foundation while you find a better long-term solution that is more to your vision, then, then I think you are at fault. And I think, you know, without giving the players off, you know, a, a free pass on this, I think they've had sort of three or four years of this from different people that have come in, um, and um, you know, I, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to suddenly start playing with any freedom. Um, I that said, you know, they do have to take some responsibility, don't they? Because yeah, they're the course. people that are out there every week not doing very basic things like keeping the ball, um, you know, or passing to somebody in the same colour shirt as they're in, which seems to be, you know, a little bit, you know, if expectations are low, you'd say that's quite a low bar, but that's something we could reasonably <laughs> expect some of these lads to be able to do every so often, uh, you know, I, and without singling any of them out in particular. Oh, you um, can do that. There's no problem. I mean, don't scapegoat like, like people do on Twitter, but, you know. Yeah. No, no well, my my memory of a game isn't really that good enough, you know. I mean, the the, the usual <laughs> culprits, you know, uh, are one of the two central midfield pairing, aren't they? I mean, he normally ah. uh, gives it away on in, in, yeah. in repeated, and and I think you know, I think last night was a case in point, you know, because there were times where we were a little bit more aggressive, and and you know, they were playing playing the ball out uh, single touches, you know, in these kind of semi structured patterns and the players were near where they were supposed to be and it was working largely because Everton were giving them acres of space and so you can tell they understand how to make this thing work um, and yet they just appear to have I don't, I don't know for whatever reason I mean I don't want to give them a free pass but but I think you know two or three years of being told this is the only way to do things by different people is going to have a big effect in it. Yeah and, and, and the fact that we, we they have been uh, you know, one of the things under, under Mourinho is that you're telling you're t- telling players that are far more expressive and, and far more comfortable with just being a little bit more free uh, in terms of movement um, and instinctive play 
to, to hold back, you know, you're telling people not to play a certain way and then that becomes the norm is, is, is to say that's not going to impact morale or just the fluidity and the synergy of, 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 of the team. You know, this, these guys are not playing football at the Hackney Marshes. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're top athletes and I'm yeah. sure they can switch on again. But again, thinking that they can, we've, uh, we've complete, um, you know, ease, um, is unrealistic because, you know, footballers, it's not, if, if football was that easy, I'd be a manager, you'd be a manager, right? Yeah. Just go, go out there and just 4-4-2, four, four, mate, and, and, we're, and we're done, you know, just play to your strengths. It, it's, that, that, that just doesn't happen, you know, as, as, as simple as it looks from the stands or from our sofa, you know, there's, there's complexity to it. And, and I think Conte um, overcomplicated it. I think Mourinho probably didn't have a fucking clue what he was doing. Um, apart from the high line um, uh, jinx that we had with, with, with Kane and, and, and uh, I mean, the yeah. good thing about Mourinho, I guess, to give him credit was, Kanan and Son absolutely slapped uh, together as 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 a, as a partnership more than you know more than they normally did up up to that point it really came together but the rest of the team just didn't have a fucking clue and it just looked lifeless and it, you know yeah the players have to take responsibility can they do better of course they can i mean you, when you're making everton look as good as they the, as 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 we did it's not a good look on us and but you said something in the middle of all that. You said two, two, two midfielders. Like if you're going to play two in the middle and persist with playing two in the middle, one player, uh, and we know who we're talking about, the Viking, um, <laughs> uh, the, the fraudulent Viking, for some would say. You know, if you're going to play him relent- relentlessly, game after game after game until he degrades and then you have to bench him and then he comes back and he's he's actually he looks good again and then he degrades and, and it's it's like do we genuinely not have other options do we genuinely have, we've kind of we've kind of built our entire ethos around this kind of non-vibrant middle you know Bentoncourt definitely a silky player definitely miss mm. him um but but you know it's it's a different type of player to let's say an Ericsson mm. or a, or a kind of deep laying Luka Modric um and i think this again comes down to the fact that we have tried to appease these these win now managers instead of saying no do you know what this is what Tottenham Hotspur is this is what we want to do this is our philosophy from the academy up to the first team these are the type of players we want we want to be signing you amplify that and 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 I guess that's what we need to be doing uh with the next manager um which we'll come on to I just want to I just want to just uh, to be honest I want to finish talking about the Everton game because because yeah. like I feel like again we're going to be doing this after Brighton after Bournemouth <laughs> Man United Liverpool Brentford whatever the remaining games are um and it's going to get really tiresome if we keep putting in performances like this but was there anything else uh um, ignoring the Harry Kane incident for the minute, because we're, we're talking about that in more detail, was there anything else that kind of stood out? Um, my my moment of the game was bringing on Lucas, and then you know Lucas getting a red card. I think that pretty much sums up Tottenham um, uh, right now. 
Um, and any 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 comedy gold that you want to kind of focus on? I, d- I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's too much. To <laughs> I don't know. I've tried to blank a lot of it from my memory. Do you know when Lucas got sent off? I'd actually forgot he was on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, fucking hell, when did he come on? And I'd been sitting there watching it. I don't know whether or not I'd sort of gone into some catatonic state, you know. Mm. Um, but I'd been literally sat there. I mean, a, a, an hour or whatever it was that he came on, and I looked. At, I thought, oh, he's been sent off. Oh, hang on a minute. And then it occurred to me, why did they bring him on? You know, this is a player coming to the end of his contract. He's been out for long periods of time with an injury. He's gone. He the guy's taught... gone, right? He's gone yeah. in the summer. Why is he yeah, still exactly. an option? Yeah, no, this is like, this is yesterday's man, right? Um, and yet you've got Dan Juma on the bench. Mm. Who does? If you want to bring a bit of spite and a bit of fire into that game, you put him on the pitch at Everton because we've pinched him off them, you know, um, I don't understand why he made that that sub. And like I say, he was that you know he was on the pitch, and then oh they've sent him off, you know. And I mean, of course they bloody sent him off. Of course they sent him off, you know. Uh, and the commentary team were going, well, this is a disgusting challenge, and of course it's a red card, and oh you know it's career, it could have been career ending, and all that. Yeah. And I thought, ain't that exactly the same that somebody did to? Uh, to was it was it um, Eric Dyer or, or or I can't remember who it was in the first half. Yeah, there was an incident, wasn't there? But yeah, but didn't I'll, even I'll, get a yellow card for yeah. it. <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, the, the, the 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 lack of consistency just with VAR, just the, the officiating. Um, I mean, I, I guess it runs parallel with the, the the lack of consistency with the punditry and and what people want to choose. And, and I guess that kind of leads into the Harry Kane thing. I mean, what what did you make of that incident in in general before? Before we get to my opinion, and 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 you know, what did you think of it off the back of what you know Neville was saying post game, and and the reaction to to Kane today from from all quarters? Well, I think he'd have been a mug if he'd have stayed on his feet. I think you know mm-hmm. the sort of thing that that Tottenham players would have done, perhaps, or we would have expected Tottenham players to have done in years gone by, is to stay on their feet, to push a bit back, you know, Everton finished the game with 11 men on the pitch. Anybody playing against us goes to the ground. Um, and so, although I don't like it as part of the game, it is part of the game. And if every other fucker's going to do it, why the hell shouldn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know why it's, it's... I mean, I know why people are talking about this, right? Because it's content and it's clicks and it's, yeah. it's, it's something to talk about in the post-game, especially when... Um, as exciting as the game was was to uh, neutral, I mean I don't see how it was, but I guess it was <laughs> in, in some in some way. You know they, they they need some kind of they need to anchor themselves to some talking points. Like I don't I don't like I don't condone people falling in 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 you know and just holding their hair holding their heads after mm. like, after a, like a clash um or where or they've been kicked and they kind of they're checking for blood and all this kind of like pantomime stuff you know i don't i've never understood why refs when when a player's gone down like a like a you know a sack of potatoes and then he's up again it's like well, hold on a minute you literally went down like like you were knocked out mm-hmm. you know you're getting a yellow card for play acting like we don't the play acting these days is just the the blatant dives in in the penalty area yeah. Or elsewhere on the pitch, that, those are the things that they can quantify and they can dish out a card for. But um, 
you know, I've I'd, I'd been chatting to mates today, and 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 someone said, I think it was Ricky said, uh, if you don't want to get sent off, don't don't put your hands in someone else's face. Well, yeah, and I was like, that's exactly right. I mean, Kane going down, yeah, it was theatrical. I get it, and 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 you don't like to see him do that because of the association to all the other people that do it that you kind of moan about. But you're bang, you, I mean, you bang on with, with what you're saying. As much as I would love Kane or someone to laugh, like literally laugh in the face of the other player who's who's trying to stick his fingers in his eyes, and and like kind of shrug and say, "Is that all you've got?" You know, as much mm. as I, I as I would like to see that on the pitch, he the other player will not get sent off for it. Exactly. Um, exactly. So it's you know, I don't trust VAR. Um, uh, so I can't reliably say that they will look at it and think, well, you can't be putting your hand in someone else's face. Someone might listen to this and actually say, oh, the rule is that if, if hands go into the face, it's, it's, it's like an instant red anyway. So Kane standing up and staying stood up um, doesn't matter. And that might be right. But like, why is Kane so special that he gets this kind of extra treatment? Is it because he's uh, captain of England? I mean... Why? Why is he perceived as someone who shouldn't be doing this, whereas everybody fucking does it? I don't know what Gary Neville's banging on about. This happens everywhere, regardless of the standard and the quality of the player. Um, everybody's at it, and that doesn't make it right. But this is much ado about nothing, right? Well, it is. I mean, it's it's what I say. It's what it, it's part of the game. Yeah. I mean, there are parts of me that would love to see. Uh, I mean, one of the things I did like about last night's game is that you know there were a lot of, a lot of quite physical challenges that were allowed to run, um, mm. and and they've obviously had a bit of a directive to say, look, you know, it's got to be a bit more of a contact sport, uh, and I think that's positive, you know, and I'd like to see a bit more of that, but at the same time, why would Harry Kane? St- not take the chance to capitalise on somebody doing something as stupid as that. We've yeah. seen yeah. VAR get this wrong, not this particular sort of incident, but but what we might categorise as as being uh, parallel blatant cards for other players in other matches and they've missed it or they've overturned it or they've got it wrong or they've, you know, overturned penalties and all that. You, you know, game on, game on, game on, you know, this season. So why would he not? go, well, you know, I could, I could, you know, I'm sure it didn't hurt him. I'm sure he thought, I'm sure he was lying there with his face in the grass. I'm sure he was laughing his ass off, <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, he was probably thinking, this is really fucking embarrassing, but, you know, I ain't getting up until I've heard he's gone, you mm. know. <laughs> there, because why wouldn't you? Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. I mean, it, it kind of reminded me of the time that, that, that Pochettino's Tottenham switched and and there was this kind of togetherness that started cooking uh, within the team and this brotherhood within the team. They were all looking out for each other. And there was a little bit of spite in there as well, right? A little bit yeah. of the ugly. And I can remember Danny Rose and I can remember Eric, Eric Dyer, players protecting each other and, and, and just being a li- little bit more naughty the, and, and very anti-Spurs. You know, powder puff Tottenham, fragile, calamitous, Tottenham that capitulate and the rest of it and we started to kind of grow a backbone and I'm not saying that is comparable to to last night but I guess as a supporter uh, back in the day when I used to watch um, 
well, I didn't used to watch them. I used to suffer them, the, the scum up the road. And, and Man United, when they were kind of dominating the Premier League and, and winning titles and the rest of it, they had world-class teams, right? World-class players. And they still cheated. There was still yeah. something at that level that, that that allowed them, they knew that winning was the most important thing regardless of everything else. Even if you have the quality to win games, sometimes you need the edge. You need to do that little bit extra. And they had that in them, whereas Spurs didn't. And and it's understandable why Spurs didn't, because we didn't have that platform of success and experience to kind of build on. Whereas all these other clubs that, that still pick up trophies when they're not doing that well, it's probably because of that culture that they have within the club that's just there. Whereas we've always lacked that, and that's what we're we're trying to we're trying to build. Just keep getting cowboys in to do the work. Um, so. so <laughs> Yeah. So I'm not. I'm not that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm really not fussed about it. But I guess we had to. We we kind of had to mention the Harry Kane incident because people are just banging on about it today. And if you're if you're a Spurs fan that's critical or embarrassed about Harry, mate, take a look at yourself. Like it doesn't. It doesn't matter. He got. He got a player sent. He he guaranteed that the player would get a red card because you cannot trust yeah. in the officiating. Uh, so you just have to go a little bit extra. And if it was a big game, if Tottenham were really good, and that happened in a, in a, in a, in a, important game and we got three points you wouldn't you would be loving that you'd wear it as a badge of honor because you'd be thinking we 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 know we we know what to do to 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 get across the line um obviously at the minute i think what (laughs) we're trying to do is get onto the bloody beach and and, and lay on the sunbeds because uh, i know that's where i'd love to be uh, rather than than enduring more games uh, let's say you're in the dugout. You're you're the manager of Spurs, interim manager, <laughs> manager of Tottenham Hotspur. I take that, by the way. Um, yeah. And you got you got, got to be last... my turn soon. <laughs> uh, it, listen, if you want a fast track, uh, get a job at Chelsea first, and, and and no doubt Levy will pick you up on the cheap. So, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, am I allowed to burn Stamford Bridge down as I leave, mate? If you can turn it back into a car park, uh, that'd be perfect. <laughs> that that that'd do me fine. Yeah. Um, what would you do? It's, because you've got Stellini there and Mason there, and it, you know, I kind of joked. Um, I've been t- tweeting a lot since last night. I kind of drunk tweeted, which just means that I didn't look at my timeline, and I've still not even looked at the re- the, the, the the replies to it. So I cannot be asked to get into arguments. But I did see someone um, who uh, had a go at me. Uh, because I said, is Conte still still managing us from Northern Italy? Is he on the phone to Stellini? And and someone had to pop at me, and I called him a cuck, and that was just, um, you know, I apologise for that as well. I don't, I don't like, I don't like, uh, fuck it, I'm not apologising for anything. Um, so you are a cuck, mate, if you're listening, um, because it, it it still feels like the blueprint is there, right? That and and it goes back to what we were yeah. saying earlier. You can't really get rid of it. Um, without bringing in a new manager. So what would you do if you were in the dugout? Would you just rip up the blueprint and just tell the players, free in the middle, just emphasise on the attack? Yeah, the defence isn't amazing, and that's probably the root of all our sins at the minute. Just have a good time. Try and rediscover a, a bit of vibrancy with your football. I mean, again, I'm dumbing it down, but what do you do? What do you choose to do? Well, I think the one thing... I mean, I'm not one for technicalities, really. I don't profess mm. to know the game 
you know, in that way, I, I Mate, you know, you'd have to, to go to Ad- as well. Well, you'd like, have to just... go to Adam Nathan for that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, you might get a sensible answer out of him, but yeah. um, you know, the one thing that I would do, like you say, is put 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 three in the centre of midfield because we've been walked through for months on end. And the one thing that I cannot understand for the life of me is why they were still setting up in the way that teams were just waltzing through the middle of us. Um, you know, even before Benton Kerr picked up his injury, it was a problem. So I think I would change the shape, you know. I mean, I know we're carrying a lot of defensive injuries, you know, we've, um, you know, we've, we've lost, we've lost Royale to the end of the season now, haven't we? You know, Sessegnon's not going to be back. We've, uh, uh, I mean, Lord only knows what's happened to Eric Dyer's footballing ability, whether or not Romero's going to pick up half a dozen more cards before the end of the next game and rule himself out for whatever's left, I don't know. Uh, I think we looked a bit more fragile with Larice in goal as well, so although he's the club captain, I perhaps would have to look at who we were playing to uh, to assess whether or not he should just walk straight back in. Um, but... I mean, yeah, I think I'd probably I'd be all Larry Redknapp about it, and I'd wind me window down and go just fucking run around a bit, and um, you know, I mean that worked, didn't it, for a while? <laughs> you know, granted we had Luka Modric, but you yeah, know. at least we had smiles um, on our faces as, as as well. Well, I mean, this is the thing. I think that's the that's it, isn't it? Is that it has to be simplified? Is it, it has to be simplified? Last night, it, you know, it very much was a Conti team and a Conti performance. Um, and surely those players can do better than that. Whether or not it is in that shape or or playing um, in a different formation or, you know, um, trying to find somebody to play on the left that isn't older than my parents so that Son isn't having to come back and do so much work away from that final third of the pitch, you know, which I think is the problem is that he's so out of position that if he ever gets the ball, he's nowhere near where he wants to be. Um, you know, I mean, you you got to look at some of these things and say, well, fuck it. I mean, look, you know, if doing the same thing and expecting a different result was the evidence of last night, then then what have we got to lose by trying something else? Well, this is it. I mean, it's almost like I mean, I I I appreciate where the pressure's coming from. Is it, it, it's coming from the, the club, right? Like we we have to get top four, or that that's it's important. We have to finish in 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 a Champions League position because of, of 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 what that brings to the club in terms of revenue, and what that brings to the club in terms of potentially being being able to to bring in a manager um, um, or bring in players in the summer. A, a lot of players, as much as people bang on about. Um, you know, players join clubs to win trophies. I think players join clubs uh, to earn money, and it just happens mm-hmm. that if you're a really fucking good player, you're gonna get a you're gonna get an offer from from a very uh, big club that are a club like City, a club like even Chelsea when they're not functioning right, they're in the semi final of the Champions League. There's 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 probably five or six plug and play football clubs in world football where you can. You can go there and probably win a win a a, a title or a cup in that first season, mm-hmm. you know. And that's what we're competing against. I just actually now that I've mentioned top four, where where are you at with that? Because because again, one of the things that I mentioned is is like you know, Tottenham. Are, the things that we moan about are very privileged, right? Okay, because we are 
We are a big football club because of the fans. We're a big football mm-hmm. club because of the finances. We do spend money, even though people like to kind of anchor themselves to that trope that we don't. We do spend money. We just don't spend it on the right players and that we don't make the right decisions at a, manager, a managerial level above the coach, like a board level. Um, a top four, you know, this whole top four thing, you know, the argument is Levy is happy with top four every season and and perhaps doesn't chase anything more than that which is why we we're always there abouts but we're not we're not really tapping into challenging for the title my perspective is you need top 4 every season or thereabouts to be able to be good enough to then challenge for the title but the gap between the top 4 and the the title challenging since Pochettino left you know excluding the, the last 18 months of his time with Spurs has eroded um, but that's all we've ever really had. We never, we never thought we were going to win the league, other than that those peak potch seasons. Anyway, so we've got a bit of a distorted kind of expectation. But at the same time, is it distorted, uh, Rich? I mean, do you think it's distorted based on the revenue, the finances, the capacity this club has to go that extra mile? Now that we're that we are ex- extremely rich, probably recovered from COVID. Um, can spend money on players, 192 million in the last few windows, um, you know, for Conte, in addition to Romero and one or two other players being signed permanently. Um, like, where are you at? You know, is is top four or everything? Is it, is it, uh, is it, I can't believe I said that. Yeah, um, is top four <laughs> a, a curse? Is it, you know, is it a, a comfort zone for Tottenham? Or are we where we should be when you consider the clubs who are richer than us and more experienced than us, or is that an excuse? Because look at Arsenal, unfortunately. You know, you can you can actually, when teams are dropping off their cycles a little bit and have, have to go through a little bit of a reinvention, you know, you can take advantage. And we, 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 we thought we were ready to do that this season and it blew up in our face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's this thing, isn't there? There's this phenomenon called shifting baseline syndrome, um, which is you don't uh, you don't really recognise the fact that your minimum requirement moves as you as time goes on. You know, um, um, it's the it, you know it, it applies to all areas of life, don't it? Um, but I think football is a perfect example of it. And you know, I've got quite a long memory. I I've been watching Tottenham in person since the late eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've seen, you know, some, some big downs and I've seen a lot of time in the doldrums as I'm, you know, you have as well. Um, and I can remember us qualifying for the UEFA cup under Martin Yole, um, being, you know, the stuff of, of, uh, of, of the Renaissance, you know, it, it was a wonderful thing, you know, virtually partying in the streets mm. um, because it had been so long. And yet now, you know, if you ask that question, I think top four has to be the absolute minimum. Uh, and, and something that Conte himself said last year, I think it was, um, it was about 12 months ago, maybe, um, you know, on the subject of getting players in, and and he said it. You know, that there is two There are two parts to signing a player. It's whether or not you want to pay the money to get the player, but also whether or not the player wants to come to you. Yeah. And Tottenham don't pay the wages that Manchester City do. They don't pay the wages that Arsenal do. Um, you know, they don't pay the wages that that 
any of the clubs around us do as a matter of course. And so you've got to offer the player something else. And at the very least, if we want championship potential, if we want, if we even want to be in with a shout of winning the, the League Cup every year, we need to be able to compete with teams like Manchester City in order to do it. Or I think of one six out of the last seven or whatever it is. So, you know, the only way you're going to get those players in is by offering them Champions League football as a routine thing, not as a special thing, not as a Tottenham have qualified for the Champions League come along for the ride next year. It's mm. going to be, if you come to Spurs, you're going to do this every year. And so I think top four has to be the everything. And it pisses me off to say it because... I can remember when it wasn't, when, you know, when you used to get to that stage after Christmas when you dip 40 points and you'd say to the bloke next to you, well, at least we can relax now, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, that the, I had mate, I've had mates, you know, who are, uh, you know, long, lifelong gooners. I've got a lot of my family are Chelsea um, uh, and, um, you know, various other fucking hell site clubs. I've had to contend with listening to them all over the years. And I did used to mock them, you know, because they would be really, that would be the thing if they missed out on it, if they missed out on it. And I used to think, well, at least we might win the odd pot here or there, but, you know, mm. at least we're not worrying about that every year. And yet we are now, and the, the baseline has shifted. And, and that I don't believe for a moment it's the only thing that Daniel Levy cares about. But if I'm going to give him some credit... It's got to be that he understands that without that as a baseline, you're never going to attract the players, unless you unless you pull off these miracles of youth scouting. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, years they put into trying to entice Deli Ali to come to Spurs. You know, David Pleat had been had been a had been going to watch him since he was in in youth youth football, hadn't he? It didn't happen overnight, you know. Um, and that's just one player in all them years. That's if you're not going to have that top four those are the kind of transfer coups that you've got to pull off year on year in order to be able to compete and 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 if there's one thing that we've demonstrated is that we're not very good at doing that yeah. well we, we were once upon a time it, 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 i mean you, you you want to go back to being baffled i mean i don't understand how um well actually may, maybe maybe just the way the world now um you know every every brilliant brazilian for example at the age of 17 18 seems to be known to absolutely all the top clubs in the world and in the moment real madrid or chelsea come sniffing you're not going to sign him for five ten million you know he's mm. he's going to go for 20 i think chelsea just bought a, a teenager for 20 million uh quid or something ridiculous yeah, 15 years old or something isn't it? Yeah. yeah yeah and we've been linked to a a, a, a wonder kid as well um uh for for about 20 million quid a slightly older player, um, so it, it's you know. You, but at the same time, there's a lot of footballers out there. Surely, you know, we can go back to to doing. You, surely, there's a, there's a way of of, of of being smart with signings. I think Son was a smart signing, right? Mm. You know, you go back further. You look at Berbatov. You you look at Luka Modric. You look at these players, and and then you look at the the, the younger players, the, the likes of Deli Ali. You know. I know Paratici was doing some work with the infrastructure. I know we appointed different scouts. Um, I don't know what kind of system set up. Don't know enough about what they're doing. I don't think anyone does really. Um, we because we don't see the output of it because we're always going for the same type of transfer targets. But I think I think most of that has to do with 
appointing a Mourinho and a Conte who aren't really fussed about these youth players as much as, you know, someone like Pochettino. I mean, I know Poch had problems with with some of the youth players, but, it, you know, if you have options um, and if you're investing in the talent and the philosophy of the football club is to play a, a particular brand of football that the academy are playing all the way through to to the first team, then you're going to be more likely to, to look at the the, the, the the players at Hotspur Way and think, I'm plucking him out, I'm taking him. They can train with the first team, they can get promoted. We might have another Harry Kane on, on, on our books. We never will, but yeah. we might have someone as close as we can get to it. And I, and I think because there's, again, you know, tethered is my favourite word at the minute. There's, there's, we're not tethered uh, because there's, there's nothing to plug into. There's, there's, no, there's no philosophy and identity uh, in, the, in the back end of the football club. Um, so, so it's, we, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the uh, identity in more detail on the Patreon, uh, part of the podcast that's going to follow, um, well, if you're listening to this on, on, on a podcast app, uh, you need to, you need to be on Patreon to listen to the, the last half an hour or so. But before we, we finish the free version of, of this uh, episode, I wanted to just come back to the, to the managerial chase, um, mm. because obviously Spurs have settled as, as far as we know, doesn't mean they're not talking to people and reaching out to people, but they've settled for a summer appointment rather than get someone in now, which is understandable because a lot of the people that we might want will not leave their club with nine games to go, 10 games to go. It's just a, a ridiculous thing to think. However, I was chatting to uh, a big John Bass um, last night and he mentioned something about why aren't we just going up to Nagelsmann, for example, and saying, do you know what? We want you. We, we You are the man that we want. Uh, 20 million quid a year, we're going to offer you. Uh, you. You know, you can just, all you need to do is say yes now and not, not and basically not have a, this scenario where we're having to compete with Chelsea and Real Madrid and, and who, whoever else comes in for him in the summer. And he's got too many voices in his head uh, and, and too many... Um, um, easier, more comfortable football clubs to perhaps choose over over Spurs. I actually think you know he's young. He's thirty five years old. There's AVB vibes about it potentially, uh, but he hasn't been to Chelsea yet, so that's good. Um, that's good. But he he's someone who because he's a very philosophical type of footballer plays the type of football that we would absolutely adore at Tottenham. I don't think Spurs are, and I mean I mean this in, in a nice way. Uh, although people will agree with me, probably we're not big enough to corrupt him. Like Chelsea are a virus of a football club, right? You know, mm-hmm. you can see they appointed Potter a project manager. They bought all the players for him, players that he didn't, he didn't probably didn't ask for, and they haven't even allowed him to to work and graft. And um, and you know, he needs six months is a ridiculous amount of time, and he got swallowed up. I don't think you, Tottenham can really swallow you up. They can definitely, they can def, def, definitely have you escape into Northern Italy uh, very, very quickly. You know, I, I think we all want to be in Northern Italy at the minute. Maybe not with Conte, but you know, separate villas and, and, and whatever else. But <laughs> now, where do you stand with it all? Because surely the easiest fix is Pochettino. Um, um, but is it? Is Poch the answer? It is for me. Uh, it's as simple as that, as far as I'm concerned, uh, for two for two reasons. Um, the first is, you know, sort of alluding to what you have been saying about identity and about 
having this sort of cohesive idea that the, the closest we can come to, to understanding that feeling at the club in recent years was under his stewardship. And although, it, you know, I, I'm not going to brush over it and be all rose-tinted about it, it wasn't all fun and games, you know. It didn't go it didn't go wrong overnight. It went wrong over the course of a year. Um, you know, I mean, they brought Paul Mitchell in to work with him and Paul Mitchell mm. couldn't work at the club and he left. So, I mean, there were always problems. But I still think he's the answer. Because he knows the club, because the club knows him, because... Um, the, enough of the fans. I'm not going to pretend that all the fans want him. I mean, I know there were, you know, there were a lot of people calling for him to be sacked a long time before he was sacked because yeah. our league form was so bad, and that's something that gets glossed over a lot at the moment in the in the sort of discourse. You know, yeah. it, it had been an unhappy place for a long time, but I think enough of the club supporters, enough of the players, enough of the you know, the people associated with Tottenham Hotspur as a as an entity would, would be able to sort of coalesce around Pochettino coming home as a unifying force. I think he's got the strength of personality to do this to do this um you know, if what Conti said is true, you know, if there is an attitude problem within the squad, well, he inherited that in 2014 when he arrived. You know, I mean, you know, we remember when he first, I think it was 2014, I could got the year wrong, mm. it's a long time ago now. Um, you know, the first thing he did was, I think he took Adebayor's parking space off him and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> he, he sort of came in and said, right, you're all starting from zero, every one of you. And and I think if, if, if Conti's, comments are to be believed even only in part even if it was partly face saving on his part there's got to be some sort of element of truth to it um then he's got the strength of character to do that you know and if you you listen to people like paul o'keefe who who seems to know what he's talking about you know he sort of says look you know don't uh, don't believe that this guy's a pussycat you know he'll He'll, he'll steamroll you if he, he needs to to get his way, and I think that that would be a good thing. And I and I think the second side to having him back is is um, we've got unfinished business, and we'll always have unfinished business until we finish it. Yeah, you know yeah. You, that that chapter should not have ended how it ended. Yeah, I mean, I yes, agree. it was bad. Yes, it was bad, but it shouldn't have ended how it ended. And um, you know, if people say the you know the impediment to him coming back is that it would amount to an admission of of a mistake on the part of the board for sacking him, well, the board have already uh, uh, you know admitted to several mistakes in that they appointed and then sacked Mourinho. They did the same with Nuno, and now they've done the same with Conte. So it's not as if they're not adverse to admitting they've made mistakes in public. So you know, I think that he's the answer to me. He's the answer. I mean, I wanted Nagel because I think if I remember rightly, it was Nagelsmann's Leipzig that absolutely schooled us shortly before Pochettino yes. got yeah, sacked correct. in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I remember uh, when he got sacked, you know, talking to a, talking to somebody at Tottenham and him saying, well, we've all seen the guy that should come in. He was here a couple of weeks ago. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I wonder if that was the time to have got him, you know. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's something you touched upon. It is, I mean, there is a, a little bit of revisionist history um, in, 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 at the death of his tenure. I mean, he kind of flirted with Man Manchester United a little bit, Pochettino. You know, there was, I think in his head, I think in all our heads, I, I think we believed we would beat Liverpool. And and, yeah. and perhaps that was the that was the way it should have ended. And in it, in it, in a parallel universe, it ended that way. We we beat Liverpool, won the Champions League, and Pochettino left. 
um, and then Spurs rebuilt off the back of that. Um, unfortunately, in this universe that we share, um, that didn't play out. So you know, no. I think we're in the we're in the dark, the bizarro uh, universe. Unfortunately, in this weird Spurs verse that we that exists out there. Um, but you know, that's fair enough. That things degraded, things eroded. It just happens in football. You know, I think a lot of it came down to the shift away from White Hart Lane, Wembley. Uh, the money that was being spent on the stadium, the, the transfer windows where we, we couldn't buy anyone, the fact that probably nobody at the club when they appointed Pochettino, uh, Pochettino believed that we would end up being as potentially successful as we were in terms of what we achieved to be in, in the discussion of winning the league and to be playing the best football over a two-year period um, and unfortunately not within a 38-game season is absolutely gutting and and it's as Tottenham Hotspur as you can ever get because we we genuinely were good enough to to achieve something and perhaps if not for Conte's Chelsea machine we might have won we should have won the league that season we could have won the league that season and again if things were a little bit different if we had started a little bit better um but it is what it is uh, we're going to end the normal podcast now uh thanks for listening um uh, thanks for the support. If you kind of want more content, extra content, then check out my Patreon, uh, Spooky Spooky in Purgatory. If you just go to patreon.com and search for that. Um, we're going to continue chatting, uh, Rich, because I want I want to kind of just talk about the identity of the football mm. club and what, what we actually need to be doing, uh, hopefully in the summer with the appointment. We can talk a little bit about uh, Poch uh, and the other options and also... Uh, Levy, unfortunately, and um, uh, that last season of White Hart Lane, because I know you got you, you got some thoughts about that. Because that's the other thing: if we had stayed another season of White Hart Lane, we again, it's theoretical. You know, it doesn't mean anything other than the words leaving my mouth. But it feels like Spurs are always uh, obstructing their own fate. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really frustrating. But anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Rich, I don't know if you want to say goodbye to everyone as well. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for putting up with me. <laughs> no, mate, you're, you're, you're always a pleasure. Uh, so that's the pod done. 